I read this book uh, by Rick Patino, who's no longer a basketball coach, but he said that when he was a coach at Kentucky, this is when this book came out, that he would make his players work so hard in practice. And a lot of college coaches wouldn't do that because these guys are going to go to the NBA or whatever. But he would because it, when it came to the Final Four and the championships, he was like, they need to feel like they deserved to do well. And, he, and so that inspired me too of like, oh, this is hard, but I'm going to feel like I earned it when I get there. And I think that is real. Like any apprehension I get in a moment is because I feel like, oh, I'm, I haven't done an audition in a while. Why should I be in it? But if like, oh, I've gone on stage every night or whatever, it's like I deserve to do this show. Welcome to the Underground Comedy Podcast with Sean Joyce. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com. Hey, what's up? Thanks for checking us out. This weekend, we got DC's Best Showcase at Big Hunt and Langston Kerman at DC Draft House. You can get tickets and info on the website. This week, our guest is Michael Palisak. Michael is a Los Angeles-based comedian who has appeared on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Last Comic Standing, and has his own half-hour Comedy Central special. He is also our second guest on this podcast who has used The Secret to get on The Tonight Show. If one more person says that to me, I'm definitely going to consider reading it. We talk about that, relationships, and what it's like to be 15 years into a comedy career. You're 15 years in? Mm-hmm. And you started in Chicago? Yes. But like in the suburbs? Yeah, like the southwest suburbs, a place called Barrel of Laughs. That is a little bar that looked like a pirate ship. Not on purpose. It just looked like the inside of a pirate ship. Were you spending most of your time in the suburbs? How, how often did you go into the city? So, like, in 2002 is when I started going up in the suburbs, and then 2004, when I was going up all the time, I would do the Wednesday at the Barrel Blast, Thursday at Riddles in the suburbs, and then the other nights I would just go in the city. And were all those, like, were Hannibal and TJ Miller and, and like, all them going, were they going up on those shows also? Yeah, so they would stay in the city, but, like, I would see Hannibal and TJ, they would just go up everywhere all the time. Were They, the they were, like the the top at that time yeah i mean i feel like the good part about being in chicago then was as a stand-up was like there was no recognition for it like there were there were not very many showcases there was one club who didn't really book anybody and so they weren't booking local people not no, there was like the booker was like <laughs> i don't know where he was he just wasn't there they would book the same host every week yeah and so like it was really a challenge so we were just sort of all doing our own thing. I'm trying to get to that system for my shows. Yeah. <laughs> where I just booked the same person I think he was every running week. an off-track betting place and just wasn't in town. And if then I could get one of those going, I would. <laughs> so, like, they were great. But I think as a comedian, it was just sort of like, well, we're all the same, kind of, you know? Yeah, because no, yeah, right. Because there's not, you know there's who only else? one type of show. I feel like the person who was most fun to watch at open mics was Nick Vatterock because he was so oh, weird yeah, and, like, he so is. funny and did something different every time. And it's hard now watching him. He's so funny still now, but like yeah. watching him actually do a normal show, it was way more fun watching him like come like scream as he walked into an open mic and then like do something really funny and leave. Yeah. He, he when he was at, at big hunt, he was, he was like, you know, how, how do they take, um, like unusual yeah. comedy? And I was like, unfortunately not very well. <laughs> um, I, I wish that alternative comedy worked a little bit better in, um in that room yeah but it just doesn't yeah you know they're they're just not trained to appreciate that type of humor and um and they're not expecting it and it just it kind of it kind of doesn't work and so vaderat's capable of standing there and just telling jokes oh yeah and doing great yeah for sure but he doesn't want to yeah and i i I don't want him to either i want him to do whatever he wants he wants to be weird and so he was real he was like you could just see him fighting it the whole weekend like (laughs) it's like i don't want i don't want to do this but 
Yeah, and so he was kind of going in and out of it, and then just struggling doing the stuff he wanted yeah. to do, and then doing well doing the stuff he hated doing. Yeah. Um, but of course, as a comic, that's what you want to see because yeah. that's much more interesting. Yeah. Was yeah. Mulaney there? At- so I, he he went to high school with my cousins in Chicago, but I think he went straight from college to New York. So he was. Oh, uh, he, he would come through sometimes and like doing up a mic when that's, he was opening. Yeah, for that makes or sense. Yeah, he went to school here. Yeah, that's right, Georgetown. Yeah, and TJ went there too. I think he went to not George. No, George, George Washington. George Washington. That's Washington right. Yeah, yeah. Him and David Angelo went to the same school, which is mm-hmm. true. Yeah, I got that confused. Um, so they were there. Jared Logan was in Chicago. He was very funny. Very yeah, nice. I love Jared Logan. Yeah. Um, yeah. First guest on this podcast, Jared Logan. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird when you start, you have these like memories. Like I remember running to Jared at the first open mic I went to in the city and he was nice. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, yeah. Like, he's a, yeah. He's such a friendly guy and yeah. uh, so funny. So you were, you worked your way up from, you know, MC to headliner in Chicago. Yeah. And you had, you did, were not on TV yet. So I, before I was headlining, I got to do live at Gotham, which was the big comedy, comedy central. central. Yeah. And then I had gotten, uh, I think right before I moved, um, I got to do the Tonight Show and Letterman in the same year. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you broke through into TV. Yeah. Pretty significantly. Three TV spots. Yeah. And then moved. Yeah. So that's pretty, that's interesting. I remember talking to Jared uh, years ago when he, he was saying about how he got on TV in Chicago. Yeah. And then, we were on the same episode of Live at Gotham. And then moved. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 kind of like it listening to that and you know trying to put it in into context of what's going on now it's really hard it's hard to get tv spots in dc you know yeah. which is because it's a smaller less established city than chicago and it's interesting to even have you think back to chicago at that time when you're saying that the clubs didn't really care about yeah the, the local people there yet they were being put on tv yeah. Well, by the time I was on TV, they were caring a lot more. Oh, and that, yeah. that had a lot to do with it, actually, because the improv opened up in the suburbs. So all of a sudden, Zanies was like, oh, we need to invest in our community, which was great. And because of Zanies, I got on TV. So like when you say they, they wanted to invest in their community to make sure that they had the good comics. Yeah. Because they now have competition. Yeah, I think so. I don't, no one ever told me that was a conscious choice. But all of a sudden, once the improv opened, there was a Monday showcase you could go to. And they were booking local features and hosts. That <laughs> happened. That has happened in D.C. Yeah. Um, there, because there used to be, you know, one, essentially one club, yeah. D.C. improv. And it was, they weren't, they didn't have an open mic. They didn't, re- they weren't really yeah. involved locally. And as, you know, comedy has gotten more popular and all these other venues have popped up yeah all of a sudden just each year they're more incorporated with the scene yep. e- each year they're doing more local shows yeah and uh so yeah i think competition brings out good things yeah and i love zanies like that like i said they're the reason i was able to get on tv but it was the competition which they didn't like i'm sure that sort of made them i don't know be a part of it and it's been great yeah so, yeah it can force you into yeah. doing what you should have been doing the whole time because yeah. it's easy to be lazy when you have no competition that's a, that <laughs> yeah. really is i mean it really is the case you look at anybody that's that's like dominant and they they, they kind of make shitty decisions and anybody that's fighting yeah they got to do the right thing that's one thing that i love about as a stand-up when you're at a place where you show up 
and uh, you're not just at a packed theater. It's like, oh, you really have to prove yourself every night because half these people are just here with somebody who brought you. And like, like maybe people know you, but maybe they don't. And that's like a really fun fight because it brings out the best. Yeah, this weekend's a fight. I yeah. mean, <laughs> yeah. it's not easy. Yeah, it's not. It's not easy room. You gotta every joke. You gotta prove yourself. Yeah, and they sh- shut up right when they're done laughing. They're just yeah. like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so you went out. Okay, so you went out to L.A. and mm-hmm. then. Uh, so you, it seemed like things. You know, when you take this way back view of yeah. years, it it seemed, it appears smooth. Yeah. You know, it's like oh, it came. You know, you went right right from one step to the next. Yeah, and uh, were you, were there times that were like really particularly difficult? Yeah, I think the the three years or three or four years between when I started and when I did TV and did, started working a lot were like really hard because you don't realize looking back that that's not a long time. Yeah. But when you're in the moment and like I was living with my parents, I wasn't working. I had no excuse to not be getting better and yeah. better. And, and it was just like, it was really, I think the choice to believe in myself that sort of helped out at all too. Cause it's like, there is a, there's a sense that like everybody's doing this and everyone's not gonna be able to do this show today or whatever day it is. Cause mm-hmm. there's not enough spots. And it's just like, you just have to sort of put the blinders on, just go forward. And that was really hard. Was there a moment where you, where you decided to believe in yourself? I watched The Secret on Easter. <laughs> like that was like 2007. My mom took a yoga class and she brought that home and she was like, this is a good... So we all watched it and I watched it and then that's when everything started happening. It's crazy. There... I've had two... No, maybe three people on the podcast who I've never met before. Yeah. And two of them have stories about The Secret. Yeah. That's which is <laughs> it's just funny, but none of the people I know yeah. have stories, <laughs> have stories about the secret. <laughs> Mine was weird, so I was imagining I'd written uh, like a, a screenplay or something, and I was imagining just as like kind of a fun thing of like, well, I'm gonna imagine being on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno pitching, the, like telling him about this movie, and then also I wanted to win an Emmy for I was very lofty, win an Emmy for a TV show, and like Steve Carell and Tina Fey would give me the Emmy and be like, congratulations. <laughs> okay, and then, wow. And so like, and that none of that happened, but I did go to get to yeah, the Tonight Show. And do stand up, and Steve Carell and Jane Lynch were guests, and I got to meet them and shake their hands. It's just like, why do you think that other thing should have happened by now already? What? What do I think that? Did you put a time limit on it? I didn't put any time. I think it was maybe because <laughs> the secret may still be provided. No, I know. Yeah, it's you're right. It still could happen. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, I need. I was more. I think the first time you hear about the secret and you do it, you're very energized if uh-huh. you if you buy into it. Yeah, and uh, maybe it's harder to like regain that sense of like. This is all still beautiful and wonderful. So what was your mentality after you kind of, you, you said what you wanted Mm -hmm. and then did you act differently from that point forward? Yeah. Before I would try to, I'd follow what they said in the movie. I would try to imagine it happening at least like once a day. And then just throughout the day, just try to feel good, like be grateful and have fun. And specifically before my sets, I would imagine them going well rather than being like, I don't know how this is going to go. And just that made stand up way more fun. Wow. And so then I imagine when you get all of those positive, they get the positive feedback from that. Yeah. It makes it easier to keep going Mm -hmm. and it it reinforces itself. Yeah. And some people who are maybe more cynical might be like, well, you were at a place where you, you were clean and you could be on TV and all this stuff anyways. But I, I don't know. I didn't, it didn't happen until then. Well, I think what it is, is if you have a positive attitude, Mm -hmm. you will be more successful. Yeah. I think that's really all it comes down to. Yeah. Because you, a lot, so especially being a comic, you know, mm-hmm. if you're a comic, you're kind of naturally doubt your, it's, you have a weird combination of believing yourself and then doubting yourself at the same time. Yeah. And I think that 
for most comics, you know, there's just lots of uncertainty mm-hmm. about what you should do and how you should go about it. And for people that can get themselves in a position where they have a strong vision mm-hmm. and are working toward it, mm-hmm. they move so much faster because everyone else is just kind of yeah. kind of looking around, kind of figuring, trying to figure out just, you know, taking everybody knows like the, the immediate steps they're trying to get yeah. through. But there's a different, I think there's just a, a different way of, of going for it when you have that mentality. Exactly. And I kind of wish that as a child, I know that as a kid, people you can do whatever you want if you put your mind to it, but I wish it would, it would have went into details because it I is know I feel the same way. So helpful. Like grow, starting out on the South side of Chicago, there's like that Irish Catholic humble mentality. And there's, a, there were some really good comedians that I think would be able to do different things that they sort of like believe that they were worthy of something bigger. And they, they sort of, yeah, I feel, I feel the same way. I feel like I just, my idea of like what life was supposed to be mm-hmm. was based, you know, it was just like you go to college and then you get a good job and then you have a family and that's yeah. what life is. And I'm like, all right, well, okay, I guess I'll do that. Yeah. I fucking hate school, but <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. And then it's like, I hate these jobs, but yeah. what else am I going to do? And then, uh, and then like, you know, once I like got into stand up, it's like, Oh, there's like all kinds of different types of careers you can do that aren't, just office work well yeah i was very lucky finishing school in the mid-2000s because like those office jobs weren't even hiring so it was like yeah when i told my parents i wanted to do that and i sort of had a plan even though i hadn't read the secret yet like my dad made me like write out a plan it did it did seem like it wasn't the worst idea in the world so were you graduated right before the financial crisis yeah yeah, yeah. so even at that point there was still tough I think so. I think the biggest factor... You would have got laid off immediately. Yeah. For my support, for my family, was my older brother was an engineer, and he really didn't like that. It was very sad, and my parents were affected by that. So when I had something I loved and loved working towards, they were just like, well, you can live with us and just do this thing. Your brother, is how is he feeling now? Well, he he went to law school and become, became a lawyer and like likes that. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I, I used... There was a time when I was considering being an engineer, and the engineers I know now they don't seem very happy about <laughs> it. And so they I seem happy with their woodworking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like like yeah. Yeah. Else. Or they're, or they're doing stand up. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah they want to, they want to be a comic. Um, but engineer, we need engineers and they're well, I think smart. some people do love it. Yeah. I exactly. mean, there are people who, I mean, I love spreadsheets like, and I love economics, which is yeah. not something that you'd think would be that anyone would love or be excited about, but I do enjoy it. And it's yeah. fun. Um, and I think the problem with engineering is, and same thing I think with medical stuff is like people see it as like, well, you're smart, so go do that. And when you're a kid and they tell you that, you either have to like know that that's not what you want to do or think about it a little more because it's not going to be fun right. if you don't like it. Right, <laughs> right. And it's your whole life. What about do you, so you've been headlining for a long, for a pretty long time yeah. at this point. So you're all, you're about to... You're, you're going to record your third album. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we talked about it a little bit at some point in our time together. I think we might yes. wait till early 2020. <laughs> yeah. So you're, so you're, you've got to the point where you're getting ready to record your third. So you're working on material, which is your fourth hour. Yeah. And over all of that time of headlining, did you feel pressure to, build a fan base that like follows you has that been something that you've considered 
Well, I feel like in the beginning, there's been little bits of it. Like, oh, here are website cards. And now I'm on social media, like a little bit or, or whatever. But also I feel like that the next album or the next hour, whatever people see, I want that to be the thing that if people do hear it, then they tell their friends to hear it and tell them. I think that's the strongest way for me to get a following. I'm not yeah. going to make a, I mean, maybe I could make a cool YouTube video that gets a million views or whatever and do that every week, but this is something I enjoy. So I'm like, I'd rather people just come to that than like, and do them. you want to, do you want to just keep headlining and putting out hours, putting out specials? Yeah. Or do you want to do other things? And, and Yeah. I, I, when I was in Chicago, the other great part about that city was like, they had like a lot of improv and sketch scene. And I yeah. definitely like immersed myself in that a little, like as much as I could. Oh, also. you did improv? Yeah. It was uh TJ, Nick Vatterot and I were like the people that did both at the, now I think okay. everyone, a lot of people do both, but like we were the only ones that would like, and Vanessa Bayer was around too. And she would do both sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, but she was, did a lot of improv. Um, and so I really, I love that part of it. And uh, we sold a show to E last year that didn't get picked up. It was like a sketch show. And then I wrote a sitcom that we're trying to like try to get produced and stuff. So I love those projects. Not only like I think a lot of comedians are like, well, then people will come to my shows. But I just love doing that stuff, too. Like I love shooting stuff like mm -hmm. I did that short and I love writing it and and then working with people like that's a fun. So what it was a sketch show, one of them? Yeah, it was like uh, it was called The Bright Side. And it was kind of like uh John Oliver's show, except instead of like criticizing something, we like, well, this is why breakups are great or whatever. And like through sketches. Was it, is it ironic? No. Well, in my head, when I wrote it, I was like, I do have a positive point of view on a lot of things that, but I do think I want it to be funny in the way of like, there's no way someone would be like that. But then when he wanted it, they're like, no, this should be like a really, so it was like real things that were positives about whatever negative thing we we're talking about. Yeah. It's tough to, to be funny and positive at the same time. There are not a lot of like I was trying to think just like for my own sense of humor, like how what other things are out there. And there's not even like a lot of sitcoms that are like happy and funny. It's hard. Some of them are happy and I don't find them very funny. Yeah. But uh, I think some episodes I'm going to try to watch the middle. I've watched some of that show. And okay. Those kids are really funny on that show. I don't even have even heard of it. Yeah. It was on ABC in okay. Indiana. So you so you said you sold the sketch show? Yeah. To, to the to E and uh they I didn't I've never even heard of a sketch show on E. Yeah, they wanted to do something. They said they wanted something like they had Joel McHale and he's gone. So they want someone else to do something. And then we made it. And then they said that they didn't really want guys. They didn't say that. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> 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 someone said that they were looking for more female host type stuff. So that didn't go. But yeah, you're not allowed to say that. But yeah, I mean, I, I heard from another guy who had lunch with a guy that said that. Why did you send me this with the guy that was hosting it? Yeah, I, I was talking to a headliner a couple of months ago who sold a show mm -hmm. and they made the show, but yeah. then they just replaced him Oh gosh! as the on camera. So, you know, so he got the benefit of making a show, but since he's not in it, now he's not on TV. Yeah. So then it's hard to tour off of it. Yeah. It seems like you have like a, you're, you're touring is kind of it's like it's connected to getting the late night spots and then just also the years of going around the country and establishing those relations is that true yeah i don't i've never been attached to a big agency which has its pluses and minuses i've heard um but i think all my club dates 
are basically relationships I had when I was featuring and hosting. And is that is there is that on purpose that you're not? No, I don't. When it comes to industry stuff, if someone wanted to work with me, I, I appreciate any help. But I when I was doing a bunch of schools, um, I had a college agent. So I think that was like if an agent from like APA or whatever look at me, they're like, well, he already has this and that's the only way I'm going to make money. Um, so I think that kind of went and, and left. Oh, I see. And then now I just don't. I mean, I think I have a manager who's very active, which is good. Um, but it, it is. Well, I mean, he's obviously active because you got a lot of dates. Yeah. And you're yeah. not famous. Yeah, exactly. And when people, when I'm in a town where uh, where it's like a weekend show, not like I can't like sell out a Wednesday night in Cleveland, which that was shown this week. Uh, but like on a weekend night, people come out like mm-hmm. it does well. So I think like just because I don't have that big agency or like that huge recognition people have heard of me or want to come out and when people have heard of you is it generally from the radio i think so like when you do <laughs> the internet and, radio yeah the internet radio yeah like serious and and stuff like that some of its last comic some of its whatever what are you supposed to call that what's that what are you supposed to call that when people hear your album online uh, from online? streaming your album yeah, i don't know <laughs> from the radio that's from the I, radio that's yeah. what i call it yeah <laughs> we Spotify. So is that normally what it is when people like when people come up and they say, or is it like, or is it TV? What are they? I don't know. I feel like are people it's, not it's talking to you. People talk to me sometimes. <laughs> I feel like it's a bunch of stuff. Some people saw me on last comic, then saw me on Colbert or whatever. Or like, yeah. And, but some of it's a lot of it, I think is serious. Like it pops up. And then I think some of it's just that, uh, I, if people come to the show and they don't want to hear comedians swear a lot, like I just don't do that. So they come yeah. because of that because they heard that for some reason. And then they're like, oh, this is great. Thanks. For yeah, it is. Time. I mean, it is nice being clean. You can get us a whole little extra audience. Yeah. I think that's a market that we haven't really tapped into yet of like people who want to go out on a Saturday that don't want to be sworn at or hear people talk yeah. about stuff I don't, all the time. I could not care less about those people. I don't, I, I mean, I care about people. I want them to come to my show, but I understand, I, I don't get offended by stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm just like, yeah, there's, there's something uh, off putting to me about it. Yeah. Not that like, I would never notice if a comic was not swearing. Yeah. I, it wouldn't even register yeah. to me and it does because it doesn't register to me when they are. Me too. It doesn't make any difference to me at all, but um, it can definitely be an asset as a comic. Well, that's the thing. Like, yeah, like I don't want to be like, there was uh, a company that was like trying to get me dates and they had me as clean. Co- like, I don't want to be a clean comedian. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. not that. I'm just been on. Cause shows. that can turn people off. Oh, it turns me. I don't want to be that. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. talk to that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you, w- did you do uh, any like road stuff where you were f- opening for people? Yeah. Um, the only time I've really ever opened for somebody was Kathleen Madigan brings me out sometimes. So, okay. So, but I never really had that one person that's like come with me all the time. And yeah. So yeah. So it was pretty much, you just got, you kind of eased your way into headlining and what were you, what do you think? What, how many, what's the most weekends you ever did in a year? Do you think? That's a good question. I think like when I was doing colleges, that was different. Cause those are like dates, but those are like individual dates and it's through like a thing. But I bet like clubs and, uh, independent things maybe like 20 or 30 like i would love to, i'll work more. yeah that's a just, lo- yeah that's yeah. a pretty decent amount yeah yeah for sure so and does it and i assume it like kind of ebbs and flows with you know the other things that are going on with doing last comic or yeah. or, or getting the half hour or well it, it is kind of funny i think last comic had a reputation of bringing comedians to clubs and charging a lot of money and not selling tickets so i think like 
it took me like about a year or so after last comic, I think for some clubs to be like, Oh, we want you to come now. Cause they thought I wasn't going to ask for more. When I was like, I would come when I did before. Like, I'm just, yeah, like, yeah. I want a livable wage right now and I want to work on my hour. That's all I'm right. working on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tricky to, uh, to time, to time these things. Right. And, yeah. and also to, to know, know what people are thinking. But I mean, that's what, that's what your manager is for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's and, what he's got to do. And they do well. So, so you made this, you made a short film. Yeah. A five minute film. Yeah. And did you, that was that your idea from the beginning? Yeah. So I wrote it as like a sketch for a packet along like years and years and years ago. And then, uh, I was wanting to write something other than stand up, And so I was like, maybe instead of just like putting something out in a week, I'll just work on this short. So I worked on it for like months and like people helped me out. And then, then we were going to shoot it one week and uh two days before i like rewrote the ending and everyone liked it and then we shot it and it was great so this in the sketch basically you uh get ghosted Mm -hmm. and then uh you run into the girl on the sidewalk and it turns out that you've been searching for her yeah the entire time yeah and i think it's okay to spoil it because it's only five minutes yeah for sure spoil in the end you you end up hanging out again. Yeah. So what was the first ending? The first ending, um, I find out, like, I think that she's been taken and I've searched all over for her. And then she says she wasn't. And I'm just like, okay. And then yeah. we walk away and never see each other again. Oh, that was the whole thing? <laughs> that was it. Yeah, you made it a lot better. <laughs> yeah, thanks. But yeah, that whole part was just like, it was so funny because I, I worked on whatever page for like, and just trying to make it funny, and then like, then I was like, "Oh, this this should happen here," and then we just, it was great. It was fun. It is a, it's uh, it's really crazy to me anyway, how much work it takes to make a five minute video like that. Yeah, from the script side for sure, because I mean I've made stuff where it's quicker, and but like shooting it was really nice. Sam, my significant other friend was a producer and her husband wanted to direct stuff and we mm-hmm. lived in LA and they set it up and we, it was one location. I wanted to make it one location, one sure. easy location. So we shot it and then, and then they were like, what do you want to do with it? I was like, well, let's put it in a bunch of stuff. So we got a bunch of festivals. And yeah. That was cool. What was that experience like going to those festivals? It was really fun. Part of it was funny. Cause like we, uh, I think partially because I had the idea for a while and it was just a simple idea. We'd, we would do these like talks afterwards with people, Q and A's and people would be talking about how they had to reshoot stuff in different locations. And, and, and our director was like, well, uh, my, Michael wrote it and he wanted to be in it and he cast his girlfriend. So we just shot. Is that it. your girlfriend in <laughs> it? Yeah. Okay. So it. that's yeah. your girlfriend. Yeah. That is your, the mother that's of the your mother child. Of my child. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, Oh, and she is an, an Im- she does improviser. improv and okay. sketch and stuff. She's in a armor all commercial right now as a Viking. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's her uh, niche <laughs> is like lanky red haired people. Um, and yeah, so our director's like really, so it was sort of like, yeah, it was fun to go around and, and get some sort of people watch people watch it. Did, um, did that lead to anything else? Um, some, some like general, like, Oh, this is cool. If you do something else, send it yeah. to me. And I think in the future, like I wrote a new pilot that's kind of, kind of inspired by that. So I think it'll be easy to like, easier to sort of like sell that idea with being like, Oh, we shot this thing and this is what that's kind of looks like. Yeah. I mean, it seems like your personality is kind of, it fits in pretty well. It's a very, uh, it's a traditional main character. I'm trying to think yeah. of how I would describe it. Kind of, a a sensitive um, guy that that gets 
falls on hard times, <laughs> you know, just kind of yeah. like uh, yeah. fa- faces adversity and like does it in a, in a charming way, but in a way where it's continually bad things happen. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that's like, uh, that can be, you know, very entertaining. You can put a lot of different things into that. Yeah. So do you think, do you have, uh, are relationships like an area of interest to you in particular? Yeah. I mean, I have a relationship and, uh, it was funny. Um, this is the first person I've been in a, like a long-term relationship since like college, like Mm -hmm. we've been together five years. And before that it was just kind of like harder, I think. Cause I would, you meet somebody, but then I was like, well, I'm going to go away. Right. And they don't really know what that means. Right. And then you come back and they don't remember you. <laughs> it's like, or mm-hmm. they do, but you know. Yeah. So I think like when I met Sam, it was really funny cause she liked that I was a comedian and I, I talk about people on stage a lot. And mm-hmm. so I would talk about her and that would go over sometimes and sometimes I wouldn't. And you, were you guys together and then you were apart and then back together again? We we always stayed together. The inspiration for that short and a lot of my stuff was just sort of like other people who just sort of like okay. disappeared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and are you uh, are you a normal person in relationships? Do you think? Um, I think I think everybody would say I'm weird. I don't. I think I'm normal, but I think everyone would say I'm weird. What would they say that, is, that you do that's weird? Um, well, I think there's like parts of it that are just on paper weird, like. I have a job that I leave town for. I was raised Catholic, so I have like some sort of some some of that in there of like cons- conservative stuff when it comes to relationships. I feel okay. like like I I was never I don't know I and no one ever I had an older brother, but he got married right away. So it's like I didn't ever see what it's like to be an adult and date people. Yeah, so I was never comfortable with like oh I'm going out with you today and then that might not work out or it might, but we still might talk to somebody else later in the week. Yeah, like, does that bother you? Yeah, I would be yeah, like we're going out now and then this is you're the only person until you stop. So yeah, like, yeah, I, I'm pretty similar to that. Yeah. I mean, I can as long as I'm not. If I don't really, if I'm not too attached, it's yeah. fine. Like yeah. as long as I don't care at all, yeah. Then I don't, then whatever. But if I like someone, then I don't really, then I don't want to see anybody else. Yeah. And I think part of one thing I realized when I was like more dating, it was like, well, I, and I do go out with just one person, maybe even just like whatever, once every couple of weeks or whatever, it still is nicer if it's just them. Like, I feel like I'm building something rather than just like, I don't know, whatever it is. Right. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. But that's probably insane for people to listen. To. <laughs> like, well, I think, it, I mean, if you hang out with comics a lot, it's a very common comic way to be yeah dude comics especially yeah i'm really speaking of dude comics i although the the women that i've talked to i think they're pretty similar i think they're not very uh seeing lots of different people i think they're pretty pretty eager to settle down i think that's interesting yeah because it's like i'm not sure why comics want that stability so much they have maybe because they have so much instability but i don't think it's that really a result of their lifestyle that they're trying to counteract because i think it's more it's more inside and yeah deep even if you had a day job you would still latch on to people i think it's i think it's what you're saying like to be able to go on stage and sort of tell your story or whatever you have to have some sort of I don't know, emotional connection to who you are. Yeah. And I think when you're with someone longer than just a couple or consistently, that person can sort of get to know who you are. And then you sort of get to the, see this reflection of yourself in this other person. Um, and they, 
I think we also all need to be loved kind of sure because that's why we go out and get laughs because we need and when you're with somebody who's there for you and they're not going away it's like well they're they're gonna give me that regardless of whether how I do on stage do you want to talk about your lack of love <laughs> I w- I'm like the more area of like people my parents were very loving I was overloved Maybe. No, I mean, I was a middle child, so there, maybe there's some of that. Something weird must have happened. Yeah, I think that we moved around a lot when I was a kid, okay. and no one ever asked me, which is normal. Why are you going to ask a seven-year-old if you're going to Whether they wanted to move? Yeah. I don't think they're capable of no, answering that question. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't want to, and then when we did, oh, really? I was fine. Is that right? You didn't want to leave all your friends? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were happy in your home and didn't want to leave yeah, your friends? That's it was a nice home, and uh, yeah. my dad worked a lot, but that's fine. He, <laughs> right. That's what he's supposed to do. Um, Were you changing states? Yeah, we moved from Cleveland to Buffalo, New York to Indiana. Very industrial. Yeah, yeah. So my dad was an accountant, or still is, and uh, he worked for companies. And so maybe it was that. I think also just like, I just always liked the idea of uh, writing and performing. Like I, when, I would, when I realized what comedy was, I was like, oh, I want to do that. When I would watch sitcoms, like I want to be in that show. Like I remember as like a seven-year-old being like, oh, I could be like the friend on Full House that comes over. Like I was casting myself oh, that's <laughs> as <funny>. a kid. <laughs> do you get more, do you get equal um, pleasure from writing as performing? I like being able to hear people laugh at something I wrote. Yeah, no like, kidding. I yeah. think if I wrote something, <laughs> the only difference would be, as I've heard, it's very difficult and very time whatever to write your own TV show and be in your own TV show. So if I were yeah. to do that, I'd be open to like, I'm just going to write it or I'm just going to be in it. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. But like for stand up, I would much rather do stand up than like write a play. And Especially if it. you, I mean, if you're going to make a sitcom, yeah, then it's like, well now you got to be a good actor too. Yeah. <laughs> or, or you have to make an amazing show like yeah. Seinfeld where you can get away with being a bad yeah. actor or 30 rock where, I mean, Teen Fey is great, but right. like, yeah, she's, that show is so great. I mean, yeah, they're, they're just some, t- some people are charismatic enough that it, it they can just do no matter what they do. It's worth watching. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I have no idea my love of charisma, but I do think it would be fun to act in something that I wrote. Like, sure. But also it seems like I remember reading Mindy Kaling's story about like when she was her show, which just ended, I think her schedule was just like. You have to write, 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 and then shoot, shoot, oh, shoot. Oh, yeah, it and then sounds write, crazy. Write, write, and then shoot, shoot, shoot. It's just like... I don't know how people... When The thing that always happens is somebody will blow up yeah. either and then get a show or they will get the show. The show will blow up. Yeah. Then they will be writing the show, starring in the show. Then they'll get a special. Yeah. Then they'll get a book. Yeah. And it's like... Or, or even some people will get a movie. And yeah. then it's like, I don't know how you're how in the world you can produce all this stuff and like continue on physically. Well, especially because up to that point you were just asked to do your hour at the club. Like you weren't trained yeah, to like right. produce it at that level. Yeah. Because it's not only are you doing all those jobs at once, but they're new jobs, they're new mm-hmm. jobs to yeah. you. And I, when I think about that stuff, I realize like how inefficiently I'm living <laughs> because like I can like barely get the stuff done that I'm doing right yeah. now. And it's like, if I had to do more stuff, yeah, I wouldn't be able to. Well, and I think it's more fun. Like, I think it's good now how people are not doing that. Like, I know Amy Schumer like was like, I'm just not going to do my show right now. It's not over. I'm just yeah. not doing it right now. And like, people just stop doing the road. Like, when they're doing a movie or something or when they're working on a TV show. Because it's like, it's hard to have fun and you want to have fun while you're doing it. Yeah. And I think that those specials end up getting rushed. 
the specials, the spe- I feel like you can, you can be an actor in a movie or TV show and not be that ready. And they can like shoot a bunch of takes. Sure. And be okay. You can write a script and get it rewritten and it'll, they'll make it work or whatever. Like, like there's movies I've seen where it's like, Oh, that's, that wasn't, great but it looks good and people loved it but a stand-up special that you can't fake it like no you, you can't hire people to write for you and they know your voice really well you can't yeah exactly because yeah. it takes so long to develop it yeah yeah we were talking earlier about uh about the secret yeah how long ago was it 2007 2007 okay a long time 12 years yeah 12 years ago yeah and has it faded in your in your mind for sure i think that in the moment, I was really excited about it, and uh, it worked, and so I was more excited. And uh, I think what happens is like they come true, and then, and then instead of reinvesting in the gratitude and the fun part of it, it was just like, well, now there's so much pressure. How am I going to do this? And like you forget what got you there of just like this sort of just this joy in being alive. Yeah, it's really having a having an outlook like that where you're going to intentionally be positive mm-hmm. and really go for it is very difficult to maintain. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's, it's, I guess what it is, is it's something that you always have to work on to maintain. It, it, it goes away if you don't keep doing it. That's a part of, I think a career that people don't realize is that on top of the writing and the performing and the planning, you also have to work on your own sort of like attitude if you want to, like, it's not just yeah. going to happen magically. Yeah. You know, I, that was something uh, when I started doing this podcast and I was first talking to comics that I was kind of noticing the most was that these these comics that had made it to headliner all had good attitudes. Yeah. And in a way, maybe it's the most important thing, what your attitude is toward what you're doing. Yeah. Because that's going to be, de- that's going to determine how you do everything that you do. Yeah. So if you get attitude toward it, you're going to do it better. I had the same experience. Every person who I've talked to that is very successful that I'm sort of somewhat connected or had interacted at some point, I can look back and be like, Oh, they were super chill, positive. They had the best outlook. They might not have been, Oh, this is the funniest joke right now, but they got there or they did it. They found right. the thing that they could do very well. And, and it's like, oh, well, we should all try to do that. Yeah. 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 Wow. So I'm going to, I'm going to look into that for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to consider having a good attitude in the I future. Rem- I remember, uh, I took an improv class where Pat O'Brien was my teacher. Who's now Michael Patrick O'Brien, who, who <laughs> created, um, AP bio and uh, save AP bio, but he, yes. got, he, <laughs> he got hired for SNL and he got hired on the show for a little bit, was a writer. Now he has his own show. And I remember in his class, he how old, is he old? How old is he? He's probably like maybe like 40, maybe late thirties. He's probably, Oh, not he was young. my teacher, but he was probably like, probably like four early forties. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, and, uh, he looks young. I don't know how old he yeah. is. He's older than me because he's my teacher. I know that, but he, he had, the, I remember in class one time he was like, what if every time in class you just thought this might be your best class? And I was just like, Oh, he probably takes that to everything. And right. I think he took that from one of his directors. Um, but I was just like, that's, that's such a good way to go about stuff. Yeah, definitely. Because it's, uh, it is the thing where it, it's if you stop, it's just like uh, you're saying, if you stop trying with your career, yeah, if you coast, it will it will kind of start to disintegrate a little bit like yeah. gradually. You won't don't realize it. And it's easy to see it in other people, uh-huh. you know, and everybody has seen, you know, comics that like stop writing or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and it's just it's a grind. It's a grinding thing. So it's it's hard to like 
keep that motivation to to keep writing new stuff and putting yeah. energy into it. Well, and I, I always see it in myself in the past. Like, I feel like the longer I've done it, the better I've gotten at like working at it. Like, I feel like when you're, when I was on the road a ton, it was hard to be like, oh, I need to think about writing a script or something like that. Right. Whereas like now that I'm not working as much, like I'm not like doing 80 colleges in a year. I'm like, well, I need to do this and this and this and this because I don't know what's going to happen. How long did you do the colleges? I, I probably like 2008 to like, I still do a couple a year, but like probably a good like four years where I was doing like 40, okay. 40 to 50 a year. Did that help you? In the moment, I didn't think it did. It helped a lot with money, but I felt like it was like hard because you're traveling every day to like sit down and work. But I think looking back, doing an hour every night has got to be helpful. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think you're putting a lot of hours under your belt mm -hmm. and you're also like getting used to just powering through and making it a show no matter what. Yeah. And it was like that last comic tour thing of just like, it feels so good to be able to do something that you wanted to do when you started and make like a, like a living at it. Like I'm yeah. going to be able to like pay all my bills off of it. Like just that in a sense. Itself. And that was that the first time that happened when you started doing colleges? Yeah. So that's when uh, I did the secret, got on TV and then like was able to not live. Off How long anymore. after the secret did you get on the tonight show? So that was a little longer. That was 2007 to 2010, but 2008, I got on Live at Gotham. Oh, right. And in 2007, when I imagined I had no connection to getting on Live at Gotham, yeah. it's not like I showcased her. Yeah, so the the other person who read The Secret was Pete Lee. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard him talk about it? No, I just know that he's had a lot of success. His goal was uh, to be on The Tonight Show also. Oh, and he's just like them in like 10 times or something. And now <laughs> he's like, yeah, now, well, they made him like a regular. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's really it's pretty wild to yeah. set that goal. And it's such a specific goal because to me, like when I look at it, if I, you know, if I was trying to get a late night set, I'd be like, well, here's my first choice. This is my second choice, yeah. but I'll take any of them. Yeah. I'll take any late night spot. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's not, and I'm not going to be upset if I'm on Conan and not on yeah. the tonight show or whatever. Um, but it's interesting that you guys got exactly what you wanted. Yeah. And there is something specific I think about like if I were to pick like, I'm a comedian, but I want, like, I want to be a movie star. I don't think that would have happened in the sense of, like, I think this was what I was working towards and what I really wanted. Like, yeah. I think you have to pick, you have to find out what you really want and also what you've been work like, what makes sense. Not what makes sense. It doesn't have to make sense. But I think you have to really, really want it because you have to really, really believe it. Yeah, because it's such a hard thing. You you, you have to put yourself through a lot yeah. with no return, Yeah. In, you know, in a lot of different ways in order to get, in order to get there. So... If you don't really want it, how, how do you keep going? And the other thing I read, I read this book uh, by Rick Patino, who's no longer a basketball coach. But <laughs> he, had a, he had a scandal also. <laughs> he had a little scandal. But he said that when he was a coach at Kentucky, this is when this book came out, that he would make his players work so hard in practice. And a lot of college coaches wouldn't do that because these guys are going to go to the NBA or whatever. But he would because it, when it came to the Final Four and the championships, he was like, they need to feel like they deserved to do well. And, he, and so that inspired me too of like, oh, this is hard, but I'm going to feel like I earned it when I get there. And I think that is real. Like yeah. any apprehension I get in a moment is because I feel like, oh, I'm, I haven't done an audition in a while. Why should I be in it? But if like, oh, I've gone on stage every night or whatever, it's like I deserve to do this. Yeah, shit. you're doing – yeah, you're yeah. putting the work in. Did you – so once you – you've got – when you started doing the colleges you started making a living from yeah. college did you get to a point or have you gotten to a point where you're like i feel like i'm over the hump and i will have a career in entertainment for the rest of my life i feel like i was really lucky at the beginning that i was able to live at home and not work 
and just try do sets. So I felt like that was kind of a hump of like, I convinced my parents that this was a thing. And ever since then, there's been highs and lows. Like colleges was great. Last comic was great. And then now with the baby and family and wanting to move over to a bigger apartment and like get another car or whatever you need, it is sort of, sort of exciting to be like, well, what's going to be that next thing that makes me feel like it's going to be okay. So I think I'm always going to, I feel like I'm well, always going to be able to do it, but I don't know how or what. Or yeah. When. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean that, well, that's a big change and I'm, I'm interested to see how I feel about it. Uh, yeah. If we have kids, um, because I just imagine that I will have a different feeling of responsibility in terms of finances just because I'm like other now there's like a bunch of people counting on me. Yeah, it is. I feel like people are very understanding. Like there's a club owner who was very, it was just like, yeah, here's your weeks for the year right away. And he's like, I was like, Oh, this is nice. It's usually, he's like, well, you have, you have a baby. You gotta, you gotta know that money's <laughs> coming in. I was like, Oh, so I think you, and there's been so much support from Sam's family and friends and my family and friends, but it is like, I think the other thing where I'm at now is like, I've been doing this for 15 years and I have credits. This is like my best opportunity to provide for a baby is by doing this. Yeah. Like, Going back to college would cost a lot of money, and I don't want to do that anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like, did you go to college? I did. I went to Xavier in Cincinnati. Did you finish? Mm-hmm. What did you major? I was an English major, and I had to major in math because my dad made me keep taking math classes so I could go English. to math school if I wanted to. Oh, were you, were you considering that? No, never. I was you never didn't want to be a doctor <laughs> no, at all? You had no. no interest in doing it? No. When I went to college, he's like, you can be an engineer or a doctor, and I, my school didn't even have engineering. so I was just That's like, hilarious. Yeah. That's hilarious. He only gave you two choices. Yeah. Oh, wow. So they must feel really guilty about your brother. <laughs> they don't, I don't think they should and they shouldn't. Cause when he was in out of college, when your year, parents listen to this, yeah, <laughs> they, they gave him a, they're like, you can do whatever you want. You can go back, you can change jobs. You don't have to be this unhappy. You can whatever. Yeah, so yeah. he definitely made his own choices. Um, yeah, but he wasted oh, six years. Yeah. It was like accounting or more or engineering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Yeah, I the only the only rule that was set on me was that I, I was not allowed to be a lawyer. Oh, not allowed to be a lawyer. Yeah. Wow. So my dad hated lawyers. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. He had a real because he he worked for the government okay. um, in with uh, labor issues. Yeah. And so he was dealing with lawyers on both sides. Yeah. And, uh, he's just like, these guys are full of shit, man. <laughs> Cause he's like, he's like, what's the right answer? What's the truth? Yeah. And they're like, and they're like, they each fight for their own side. And it's like, that just annoyed him. You're not getting anywhere. And I feel that, you know, I, I can kind of feel that way with like, um, maybe cause he's dealing with, you know, he's going to deal with the company and he's dealing with the workers and each of them are represented by lawyers. And I have, and so, when I'm booking and I'm dealing with comics, there's an agent in between or manager. And a lot of times it's frustrating Mm -hmm. because it's like, just let me talk to the comic. Yeah. You don't know what you're (laughs) talking about. Yeah. You've seen everybody. Do you think that people are a certain comedian in the beginning and they'll get better, but they're only going to get a certain amount of better. Or do you think that there's a chance that like everybody can be at this elite level that certain comedians like Mulaney or Burr or like people have gotten to. Yeah. So I think this is a really interesting idea and it's an idea that, you know, generally you can never know the full answer to it. Right. There's no, we'll never know. We'll never be able to do a poll. Like this guy was, he started here. Yeah. (laughs) It's only going to be, it's all just going to be individual examples. But I was just talking on the podcast recently to, 
to my friend and he said he thought anybody could be a comedian. I was like, do you think anyone can be a comedian? Yeah. And he said, yeah, I think anyone can do it. And I don't. Yeah. I do not think anybody can be a comedian. And I don't think that anybody can be a star. Yeah. I don't think that they can be um, an elite comic. Even the comics who are famous, mm -hmm. who maybe a lot of comics don't think are funny. Yeah. Um, whoever you want to name for that, but yeah. you can imagine a comic that's touring theaters that all com. You talk to any comic, and yeah. they will not, you know, they they consider them a hack or whatever. Yeah, I still think they're special performers. Yeah, I still think that they have special abilities. So I think that you have to be a specific type of person, and then within that, those people have different sets of abilities you know, whether it's writing or performing yeah, or, or even just a, a natural silliness or like, or, or like a natural uniqueness. Yep. Like those YouTube stars. I don't follow that as much, but I, people criticize those guys and I'm like, well, they're, they've done something yeah. that the world has decided is worth going to see a lot. And I don't think, I don't think we should discredit that. Yeah. I think the, the, the reason why that that gets criticized so badly is that it does not translate to a live performance. Fair enough. Those people generally are terrible live performers <laughs> because they're not live performers. Yeah. They're internet performers. Yeah. And so it will be interesting to see, it will be interesting to see if any of those people turn into great live performers yeah. when they mainly come from sketches. I think that there are definitely people that just weren't interested or didn't know about stand up yep. and then got famous and then will learn about it and will become funny. Like they yeah. will have that ability. So I, I think that's the case. And as far as people that are just doing stand up and like what, what the ceiling is, yeah. I think different people have different ceilings. Yeah. You know, there's like Joe Firestone is like interesting example because Joe, I think is so there's something about her. That's like, it's very entertaining. Yeah. It's very fun and easy to listen to even no matter what she's saying yeah and so someone like that i think just because they're sitting there and you're already interested yeah has the chance to like really do something whereas someone like myself and maybe like you yeah where we're more it's it's more about writing it's yeah. more about learning how to perform yeah getting better through repetition yeah Yes, there's like a level of charisma and like, yeah, you're funny and you're yeah. interesting, but you know, it has to develop over time. And I do think there's a ceiling on that. Yeah. Like, it's not like, like, it's not, you're not <laughs> to bring up another problematic person, but you're not TJ Miller, you know, yeah. TJ Miller is like, uh, the, is like a force and it's all around him all the time. Yeah. And, and that's just not a possibility. Yeah, it's like there's a guy, I can't remember his name now. He's blonde hair. He was on that search party show on TBS. Um, he's from New York. Very funny. Um, I feel bad I don't know his name. But anyways, I did a show in LA at a movie theater called uh, called uh, something. But it was a really big show, really good show. Like mm -hmm. just like an alternative show. And like I went up, did okay. Like it was okay. It was very average. The bookers were like, sorry. We, but then he went up and he just destroyed in a way that I'd never seen anybody destroy. And I was like, and he's not that, like it's not like a generational thing. Like I'm not that much older. He just is like very, very, very funny. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't, when I see something like that where I don't know how to do it, that's where I'm like, that's, yeah. that's a whole nother level that I don't, 
you're saying, I don't think you can ever develop that. I think maybe you can find that at some point. Like, I think some comedians find that later. Maybe they don't, maybe they either have it or they don't. I think like, you know, you're probably performing at like, say 70% of your natural ability and like you can get it to a hundred percent, but it's still not going to be where like, but you're a hundred percent. It, you know, you, you getting to a hundred percent, you know, it might be more than a super charismatic 70%. Yeah. I might beat them on like, yeah, you might be able to, or like if they don't pursue it, like if they're not active, like if they're an alcoholic, yeah, like you may become a better performer than them just because they haven't fully developed what their natural ability is. Where do you think like a guy like uh, Seinfeld that do you think his a hundred percent is at the top of everybody else? Or do you think he had to get to his hundred percent and be above people? Like, do you think his level of charisma is like the same? I think as like, I think it's pretty high. Yeah. I think he's a pretty charismatic person. It's, I think it gets hard to look back in time and compare comedians. Cause you, we know him as to now famous show. And also, even if you go back and watch his old stand-up, you know, compared to what's going on now, it's not that interesting, but yeah. it had to come first to get to mm-hmm. here. So it's hard to compare the two. So because it's easy to look at Seinfeld and be like, what? Th- these are just regular-ass jokes. <laughs> even when you, really, when you watch the show Seinfeld and you watch those stand-up interstitials, yeah. that, that, that material is not that strong. He's not even killing in the room. He's not killing in the yeah. room. And half of the time you're like, this is barely a punchline. Yeah. It's like a very soft punchline. Yeah. A lot of the times it's a really observational and less, less like joke. Yeah. Um, but I do, you know, I saw him maybe in the, like around 2000. Yeah. And, uh, like late nineties, early two thousands. And, uh, man, I died. I was yeah. dying. Yeah. Like, my stomach hurt. I laughed from start to finish the entire time. Yeah. And that's like, that's a pretty high level of performance. That's a good measure. And yeah. obviously he's performing at a high level because, yeah. you know, uh, because yeah. of his success. But I think he's not an obviously charismatic person, but I think that's kind of like, that's as far as you can stretch the telling jokes and being a good joke teller. Yeah. Yeah. Without... Because I think he always underestimated. He'd always be like, I'm here because I worked really hard. Yes. But I think he also has like a ability that Absolutely. people don't have that you can't just like pick up off the street. Sure. Like him and Larry David, like yeah. you listen. I mean, Larry David even more so. Oh my gosh. The stuff that he just thinks of yeah. is, you know, you're like, well, I'm never going to, I'm never going <laughs> to think of stuff like that. <laughs> and we like, there's a, there's a comic here uh, named Sarome Russell who he just, it's really hard to even to even say like what it is about him that makes it so funny. I mean, he's, he's from the South and he's got a really thick Southern accent and he's a big dude. And, uh, it just, people fucking love it. Yeah. They cannot get enough of it. As soon as he starts talking, they're on board, (laughs) any punchline, they want to laugh. Yeah. And, He's got great punchlines, and when mm. he gets going, people are laughing so hard. Yeah, and you're just like, I can't make people laugh this hard. No, even like, it, it has to be perfect. Perfect environment. Perfect yeah. environment, maybe. <laughs> if everything goes perfect, start. Yeah, to go. but like, I'm never gonna get like the scream laugh, the like stomping <laughs> your feet laugh. Yeah. Like that's just a level that's not accessible to you have to perform in a certain way to make people react that way. Uh-huh. You can't make people react that way with just jokes. You can't make people stomp their feet yeah. with jokes. Yeah. Really. Yeah. 
No, you're I I would do the Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, which people say is like the closest thing to like the cellar that we have in LA. Like they book really good comedians, and I would see people and they would do well, or and I'd be like, okay, you know, that's I could do that. But then I'd see, do you ever see Rodman perform? He no, that's coming. He would go on stage and he would just talk, and the words that he would say would just destroy. And that that crowd's hot, but he would be, do better than everybody else. Yeah. And like I don't know what he's doing now. I don't know if he's touring or whatever, but I was just like, that's something. That I can't, or like Lisa Traeger was like when she was started out in Chicago, yeah. like she was brand new when I saw her, but I was like, she's doing something that I couldn't do or Drew Michael too. They were just like talking and being very funny. I was just like, that's, yeah. And they're different too. Yeah. They're different. I mean, Lisa is a, is a good writer, but she's like really a force on stage. Yeah. Like she really just has the energy. Yeah. Um, I think some people are, you're right. They're just naturally, or they maybe, however they were raised, maybe it's something they're born with, but they're just na- already engaged with you in a way that you have to like, listen, that's very, funny. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think what it is, is like, you know, you're, you're trying to maximize your natural ability mm-hmm. and you're trying to, and you're only going to develop there's like an unlimited number of skills you could be developing yeah. and you have different abilities for all those different skills, but you're only going to pursue or have the opportunity to develop a few of them. Yeah. So yeah, you do have to make choices yeah. in terms of what, what makes the most sense for you in terms of what your abilities are. And you have to, you got to make that choice while taking into consideration what you enjoy doing because yeah. they don't always exactly match up, yeah. you know, cause, cause performing is so fun. It's so great to be on stage and get that feeling, yeah. that feedback. But it's like, if you're a genius writer yeah. and you're just a, a low energy performer and, and you know, you're not able to like crush, but you're able to, you know, communicate through words like so well, it might, you know, m- make more sense for you to just be a writer. Yeah. Even if you're going to be like a magazine writer or something. Yeah. And I feel like stand-ups, especially now, maybe it's harder to make that choice. But uh, the improv people I've known, I think because you don't really get paid to do improv, that become writers. It's just like, like Adam McKay was on Main Stage of Second City, but he's like one of the most brilliant sketch, like all those things. And it's like, as a stand-up, it's like, how do you, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to do that. I, I like, I. I like writing for myself more, but yeah, if someone was like brilliant at writing monologue jokes, it's like, well, you should probably go write for Fallon, right? Never then do stand up. But there's probably like, if Judd Apatow was like, why don't you help me write this movie? Yeah, you'd be like, yeah, I don't need to write for myself. Of course, <laughs> yeah. If the right thing came along, or even if like I had this show that I wrote now, if someone was like, we want to put this guy in it, but you can just write it and be the one of the better big writer head writers, not the per- showrunner. I was like, that's fine. I mean, that would be I could, cool. I'd love to be a roommate at some point, but like, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, like I, the guy who said they replaced him, I think as an executive producer on a show, you're still going to get paid and you're still working on something creatively. And I love going on the road and being able to do shows for people who don't know who I am. Like right. when, that, when that's over, if it's ever over, that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. But it's very fun to go out and have people like, Oh, what's going on here? Yeah. This, I'm not someone, you know, let's yeah. see if I'm funny. Like yeah. that's, that's a gift that if you get, like if you're a voiceover actor or a writer on a show that you can afford to like make a really great living and not be known. That's also, it's, did you ever try to do commercials? I audition for stuff sometimes. Yeah. 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 That's a great way to make. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's funny to see so many comedians popping up in commercials now. For sure. Do you think that, do you, do you envision like, can you envision just being a stand up for another 20 years? Like, and not doing anything else? Or just where that's, like, your main thing. Like, maybe you do other, like, you'll do some stuff on the side. Yeah. But, like, your main source of income, people know you as, look like, like Brian Regan, like, they know him. He yeah. As a stand-up. 
Yeah, I think that that's the easiest to envision because that's what I've done the last 10 yeah. is like this is the life. But I do think it's a challenge in the sense of like, how do you keep getting booked at all these places if you're not necessarily recognized? Like, how is the place other than that there's your friends or like you have a yeah. relationship with them? But and I guess that's what some people do. But I think like at some point you have to be recognizable like Ryan Regan and, yeah. and make it. And if yeah. you don't, then you have to find something else. But I don't know. <laughs> I think I could do stand up forever. Yeah, that's great, man. Well, good luck with your pilot. Thanks. Yeah. Good luck with your baby. Thanks. And uh, I hope you have some good shows tonight. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for talking to me. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com. <laughs>